Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. This morning's reading is Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. It's easy to familiarize ourselves with the story of Jesus' birth. You know, if you've been alive for a little bit, you get told the story, whether implicitly through maybe radio programs or things that are happening in culture broadly, but especially through church, you get told the story of Jesus. And you're like, oh, there's probably not too many new things that I can learn about the story of Jesus. So... This past week or couple weeks, I've been looking into a bit of the finer details and trying to make a little bit of some assumptions as to what Matthew is actually talking about around the birth of Jesus. What's interesting is that Matthew is massively concerned with the details before Jesus' birth and the details after Jesus' birth. It's almost like there's an extraordinary nature to what leads up to the birth of Jesus and what follows it. You see, we see that Mary is pregnant, but she's like, how can I be pregnant? Because she is a virgin. And then Joseph, he could have actually disgraced her publicly because he could have done that. But extraordinarily, he didn't, and he wanted to divorce quietly. And then on top of that, an angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, no, no, hold up, just wait a second. This child is going to be the savior, the one who is to come, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. You're going to name him Jesus. And then Joseph takes the angel at their word, in faith, steps out, trusts God, and still stands next to Mary. And then the child's born. And then after this whole episode, we see about the wise men coming in and going to King Herod, and then King Herod saying, well, I don't really like this new king of Israel who comes because I'm the king, and this is a bit of a threat to my throne. So what we see 
is we see that King Herod actually wants to put to death every single boy who, and does so, every single boy who's around the age of Jesus. So we see that Jesus and his family escape to Egypt, and then they come back up. But one thing I thought that was really interesting is that the actual birth of Jesus is almost like an afterthought. It's just, it's not even mentioned explicitly in the passage. It's just mentioned in passing. Oh, after Jesus was born, by the way, we named him Jesus. You know, Joseph named him Jesus. And I'm like, that's so bizarre. We think so much about the birth of Jesus, but Matthew is so concerned with what's happening before and what's happening after. And I, I can't help but think to myself, why? I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar, okay? I like to look into the text. And I believe that in the text, everything that's written in there is there for a reason, including the stuff that you and I might see as insignificant or as an afterthought, like, oh, by the way, Jesus was born. Because if you look at the Gospel of Luke, there's another birth narrative. And actually, the birth aspect of Jesus is given a lot more attention. But Matthew kind of peels away from that for a second. And it makes me ask the question, why? Why does Matthew not really mention the actual birth of Jesus. If you have had a child, or you've had a first child, or you're pregnant, you get a lot of unsolicited stories about other people's births. Is that true? I'm not saying, yes, I, I enjoy the stories. I love hearing the stories, all right? My wife and I had a child five weeks ago, Audrey, and prior to that, people loved to tell me about the birth story, how horrific or how crazy, how they didn't even make it to the hospital, all, you know, all the stuff. And typically, it's around the first child, you know, the second, the third, the fourth, that's okay. But the first one was crazy. Jesus was the first child. And there's no crazy birth story in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, you would, you would expect it. It's like Mary telling Matthew, by the way, this is actually what happened. It was crazy. It's not in there. Why isn't it in there? You see, I was expecting, if I was, you know, to be a Matthew and write this story, I would expect maybe some angels flocking around, you know, the moment the baby comes out and then you hear the cry and then, you know, trumpets are blasting from heaven and then maybe even God the Father from heaven says, yep, that's my boy. And then, you know, the earth shakes and you expect like this massive cataclysmic moment to happen. It's Jesus, by the way. Right? You would expect something intense to happen. But instead, oh, after the birth of Jesus is all you get. Oh, he was born. Yeah, okay. It's almost like a throwaway comment. This is why I think Matthew may have said, told the birth of Jesus the way he did. I think it's because he wanted us to know that Jesus is ordinary. He's one of us. Every single one of us was born, was a baby, and are continuing to grow. Some of us are trying to grow up later in life than others. But we all have come into the world in the same way. And Jesus, God incarnate, is no exception. Philippians 2, 6 through 7 says this, who, this is Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. What I think Matthew is trying to emphasize here, by not emphasizing it at all, is that Jesus is a human. You might not see that as a controversial statement now, but back in the first century, that was a very controversial statement. How could God become man? How is that possible? But I think what Matthew does is he takes this idea of Jesus, and if you read through the Gospel of Matthew, you really get this sense through the imagery and the Old Testament kind of parallels and all this really fun stuff that I like to enjoy paying attention to, but we don't have time to go into it right now because I'm sure you want to go home and open your presents maybe, is Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is so human that he's the perfect human. He is an ordinary human. Don't misunderstand me when I use the word ordinary. I don't mean ordinary as in simple. I don't mean ordinary as boring. I mean ordinary like how a chair is ordinary. A chair, if it's defined as ordinary, is doing exactly what a chair is supposed to do. It has four legs, it has a back, it has a seat, you sit on it, it it is exactly what the chair is supposed to do. Jesus is an ordinary human in this sense. He does exactly what a human is supposed to do. If we look through the whole story of the Bible, what do we see? God created man and woman in his own image. In his image, he created them. What does that mean? What that means is that it is our role as humans to reflect God back into creation and back to God himself. We bear his image. So when I say that Jesus is an ordinary human, I'm saying he is so ordinary, he is exactly what a human is supposed to be. So what does that say about us? Are we ordinary? Yeah, we're ordinary, but we're not quite as ordinary as Jesus if we're using that definition. Jesus perfectly reflects what does it mean, what is the essence of humanity. And because of the fall and because of us being disobedient to God, this image, this reflecting God back to creation and himself was actually like a mirror broken. You can still see a reflection, but it's distorted a little bit. And the beautiful thing about the birth, the ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is that he lived a perfect, ordinary human life and What we can do because of that is we can cling on to his humanness and receive it as our own humanness. Where when God looks at us, he sees us as fully what a human ought to be from a biblical perspective. Yes, Jesus is 100% God. He's also 100% human. And he invites us to be what we cannot be if it were not for him coming to earth. It encourages our daily living. It encourages our daily life. You see, the birth of Jesus is described as an ordinary thing. Not ordinary in the sense of common, but ordinary in the sense of fully human. 
He is exactly what a human ought to be. And he enables us to be more human than we could ever know. Now on this final Sunday of Advent, we light all of the candles of Advent. During the birth of Christ, we live into the hope that he offers us. We embrace the peace that he establishes and gives us. We receive the love from the Father and we rejoice in the joy extended to all. This is what Advent is all about. It is Christ coming to earth, doing what we could not do, making a way for us to be reconciled to God and to live out fully what it means to be human. And it's not just so we can go and escape and be away from this world, but it's so that we can actually find our proper place within this world as God's image bearers of who we actually are. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering, well, how can I receive, how can I receive what it means to be fully human? How can I receive Christ? It's very simple. It is simply through trusting in Jesus, through giving your life to him. It is through placing your trust and your hope and your whole life in him that you receive him and he becomes your life. That is why the advent and birth of Christ is so important. And now I will light the final advent candles. Jesus, thank you for your incarnation, for your advent, which means arrival. You came to this earth, like all of us as a child, but you did what we could not do, which is live a perfect human life. But Lord, this day we receive you for all you are. We receive you in faith, we receive you in trust, and we receive you in worship, Lord, that we rejoice in you, and we rejoice you today, that this is your day. Every day is your day, but some days are even more your day. So Lord, we just ask that you would be with us as we continue on throughout this day, as we celebrate with friends and family, that you would be the center, and that you would be the one that we honor through the fellowship we have with those we love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, I would like to invite Sione Wesleyan Church to come and sing a Christmas hymn for us.